Thank you for choosing to listen to the sermons of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. We meet at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. And if you're ever in our area, we would love to have you as our guest. If you live in our area, we would love to study the Bible with you. You can call us anytime to set up a Bible study or just to gain more information at 205-486-9247. Also, visit our website, 9thAvenueCofC.com, or check us out on Facebook by simply searching for 9th Avenue Church of Christ. Now we hope you'll join us for a study of God's Word as we seek to follow Him each and every day from the 9th Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. Tonight's lesson, I appreciate Brother Ricky picking out that song, um, On Bended Knee. Uh, you've probably noticed that we have been talking about prayer on Sunday evenings during the month of January. And prayer is one of those things in our life that we could all do more. Even those of us who pray diligently, I think we would agree that we could pray more. Uh, we, we can pray in many different situations. Adam's One of Adam's lessons that he did was, if you'll remember that acronym ACTS, and the different types of prayers that we can pray. Tonight what I want us to do is, is something related to prayer, but maybe a little bit different. We're going to look at three areas or three things that were sometimes done in relation to prayer and the purpose of doing those things in relation to prayer. Now, I know that's kind of vague and doesn't make any sense uh, right now, but hopefully it will before too long. The scripture that was read just a few minutes ago uh, that, that Roger appreciated, he said that was a good length sermon, I mean a good length scripture reading, But Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6, it says, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. And pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is in who sees in secret will reward you. Many of us watched the movie War Room together uh, in the uh, fellowship hall. That was two years ago. I think a year or two. I don't know. Time runs together. But we we watched that movie War Room. And if you'll remember that movie or if you, you saw it at a different time, maybe the, the premise behind that movie was the lady who had uh, created a, a war room and it was a closet. And she would go there to pray and, and she would put uh, newspaper articles or she would put notes that she had made or, or she would put different messages up on the wall. And it was a time that she would go and, and she would close the door and she would be focused on nothing but that prayer. Focused on exactly what she wanted to pray about. What she wanted to pray for. And so when we read this verse in Matthew chapter 6. There's obviously the message here that that prayer is not something that should be done uh, for the purpose of others seeing you. So that you can be glorified by them. That's one of the messages here. But I think there's also a message of why we're not told just to... To go off and be by yourself. While that example of a closet was used. I think it's important to uh, think about that movie War Room. And what that lady was able to do by actually going into a closet to pray. 
If you'll picture uh, a closet at your home. Now don't picture the closet that you've got all your storage in that you can't walk into. Picture the closet that you could actually walk into if you needed to. Many of you probably don't have a clock in the closet. Is that correct? Raise your hand if you have a clock in your closet. A working clock that you use. (laughs) All right, raise your hand if you have a window in your closet. Some people may have a window, but most often there's not a window in the closet. Who has a TV, a working using TV in your closet? Probably not. A closet is a great place to go to get away from distractions. A closet would be a great place to go to get your mind focused on one thing at a time. When we think about that idea of no clock, no window, no TV, no radio, no telephone, no whatever... There's an idea there of not being focused on all of those things that go on in life. But rather being focused on a single purpose. In other words, when we pray, do our prayers have purpose? Do our prayers have purpose? Or are our prayers just memorized words that we put together? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Those prayers that that maybe when you first began to pray and you said those same prayers every time you said them. Now, those prayers do serve a, a tremendous purpose. It's beautiful to hear a child say the same prayer over and over and over because you're teaching that child the importance of prayer. You're teaching them that it's important to pray to God. But I would probably get some funny looks if when I went to dinner, I said the same prayer that Parker said. It would probably be heard differently. It would probably be received differently. But do I have a purpose when I pray? Or does prayer become a checklist item that I check off my day? Alright, it's time for bed and I remember mom always telling me that I should pray before I go to sleep, so... I, I've I've washed my face, I've, I've taken a shower, I've brushed my teeth, and now I'm going to pray, and okay, everything's checked off, I can go to sleep now. Or do our prayers have a purpose? Do we have purpose when we pray? The idea of that closet, to me, gives us another, uh, a great example of, of something to think about. If you relate prayer to your job, typically in a job... When the clock hits five o'clock or whatever time you get off, there's still work to do. There's still something that could be done. But for the most part, unless it's something that's pressing, you, you leave it on your desk or you leave it wherever. And you clock out and you go home and you come back the next day and you finish that which needs to be done. Without thinking about retirement, the job that you work at, you hope... That that job is never finished until you're ready to retire. Because if that job gets finished, then you're not needed anymore. And so 
there's a sense of you when you go to work, you hope there's something to do. Or you hope that you can pretend there's something to do long enough for the company to keep paying you. But just like work, prayer is never finished. There's always going to be something to pray for. The question is, do we look for those purposes to pray? Do I look for reasons to pray? When I look around at at my brothers and my sisters, do I think about their needs and their desires? Do I know of people that are struggling and I take time to pray for them? Do you ever walk up to to a stranger who, who may be struggling or who looks... Sad and lonely and, and just say, would you, would you care if we prayed together? I know you might get a strange look. But it would make that person think. Most importantly, maybe that person is struggling with something in their life. Do your prayers have purpose? The next time you you think about that that idea of going into a closet and, and shutting the door. I want you to think about the purpose of prayer. Am I praying for something? Am I praying about something? Or am I just checking an item off my list because I know I need to pray today? Prayer should first of all have purpose. The second thing that that often was done... In, in relation to prayer, would be to anoint with oil. To anoint with oil. That, that was a, a common practice used in, in relation to praying. Let me ask you a question. We know that the water that's in our baptistry is just regular water. But yet when somebody's immersed in that water in baptism, it has the power to wash away their sins. Not the water, but, but the what's being done. If you took a, a small jar of oil in this particular time, in, in this first century, that oil may have had some medical purposes But one of the main purposes was the sign of humility. The sign of cleansing ourselves before we went before the Father. When we think about cleansing ourselves before we go to God in prayer. To anoint ourselves with oil. A symbolic act of humility. And I'm not saying that... That, that I'm up here saying that we should anoint ourselves with oil when we pray. These are just some first century examples that I think give us purpose of our prayers. But do you ever feel that you need to cleanse your soul before you go to God in prayer, before you approach the throne of God, the throne of God in prayer? If you truly believe 
That God is as powerful as He says, as, as He, as we know He is, as the Bible teaches us He is. If you truly believe that God created the earth, if you truly believe that God will one day be our Father in heaven, does it not make sense to humbly purify our souls? Before we approach his throne. Here's what I mean by that. Back to the first point. Do you think about prayer. Before you pray. Now I know there are certainly times in life. When when maybe you're sitting at a. At a service. Or it's a Wednesday evening. And we finish the devotional. And I'm doing announcements. And I have completely forgotten that I'm. Supposed to select someone to say the dismissal prayer and, and I get close to the end of the announcements and it hits me and I look up and I say, so and so, will you come lead us in dismissal prayer? That's, that's not a prayer that you can plan for. But on Sunday mornings, so often, a man will come and, and stand here at this pulpit and they will have a prayer that you can tell has been thought out. I don't know if Brother Dan thought of his prayer, how much he thought, but his prayer tonight, and I'm not just saying this, I truly believe this, sounded like a prayer that he had put some time and thought into. And I think that's very important. I think it's okay to plan for your prayers. We need to be careful when doing so. But I think it's okay to plan for our prayers. I don't think that. Ricky got up here today. And just opened his book. And said I'm going to sing whatever page it opens up to. Do what? <laughs> he said that would be disaster. I know some of you are sitting there thinking. Well you did this with your lesson. But I promise I, I didn't do that with my lesson either. And so prayer is no different. It's okay to think about who's sick in our congregation, who needs prayers, who's struggling. To plan and to think about what we're going to pray for. But also remember who we're praying to. We're praying to the Almighty God. We're praying to the Creator of the universe. We're praying to the Creator of our souls. Are you in awe when you pray? Do you really ever stop and think about exactly what you're doing when you pray? Because if we do, there has to be a sense of awe in what we're doing. Let me ask you this. If tomorrow morning you got a phone call, and it was from... Whoever your biggest idol, role model, hero is. And they wanted to go to lunch with you. What would you do before you went on that lunch? You would probably clean yourself up. You would put on appropriate clothes. 
You would spend time and thought thinking about what you were going to say to that person. And yet sometimes we go before God with no purpose. Don't get that statement confused with praying to God when sometimes we don't know what to pray for. That's not what I'm talking about. Because I think there are those times too when we don't know what to pray for. And I think it's okay to say, God, I have no idea what his needs are, but I know he's struggling. And God, I don't know what to ask for, but I I know you. And I know that you know what those needs are. And God, I'm just coming before you, even though I don't know what to ask. But that still has a purpose. I think that still shows respect to the God that we're praying to. Oil was also a sign of submission. When one would anoint someone else with oil, it was a it was a sign of, of submission. If you will open your Bibles up to Hebrews chapter one. Hebrews chapter 1, beginning in verse 8, the writer of the book of Hebrews says, he's talking about what God would say of the Son. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of of brightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you. With the oil of gladness beyond your compa- beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning. And the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same. And your years will have no end. What a beautiful description of God the Son. What a great reminder of my need to humble myself when I approach the throne of God in prayer. It's an amazing privilege that God has given us to even be able to pray to pray. Do I humble myself when I go to God in prayer? And then our third point that I want us to look at this evening is in relation to the song that that Brother Ricky sung just a few minutes ago, On Bended Knee. The idea of actually bowing and and being on our knees when we pray. That act that that you see so often in movies that, that one would would bow before a king or a a leader of a nation that showed respect and showed humility and showed submission to the one at at whose feet you were bowing. A couple of years ago at Lads to Leaders, our theme was, where are your treasures? Because where your treasures are, there your heart will be also. 
we bow before our treasures with our heart. What is it that you're bowing before? Are you bowing with the words that you put before God? Hallowed be your name. Our Father who art in heaven. Is there a sense of bowing out of respect that the words that we uh, with the words that we use in our prayers do I show God how much respect and how much honor I have for him with the words that I use is there that sign of humility when I bow before God the Father in prayer. Do I respect that which I'm doing? We see so many times how important that was to Christ. How many times he would, he would draw away and be alone or, or he would be in a garden. And how much focus and attention he put into his prayers. How seriously he took the act of prayer. It was a sign of respect. It was a sign of humility. And it was a sign of submission. One of the scriptures that I I want us to read together comes from Ephesians chapter 3. It's a little bit of a lengthy section, but Ephesians chapter 3 beginning in verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father... From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. That what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. According to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. Throughout all generations. Forever and ever. Amen. I think it's important for us to remember That the sense of bowing is that sense of submission. We've looked briefly at at three things this evening. And I'm going to make one more point and then the lesson's going to be yours. When we pray, are we focused on what we're praying on? That example of going into a closet. Do our prayers have purpose? Do we have the idea of humility? To want to cleanse our souls before we approach God. In other words, do we want to stop and think about the fact that that we don't deserve the right to pray. But God has given us that right because of His grace. 
And thirdly, whether physically or, or mentally, symbolically, do we bow before our Father when we pray? Prayer doesn't have to be done on, on bended knee. Certainly nothing wrong with it if it is done that way. But I think that every prayer that's uttered should have that idea of submission in mind. God, I bow before you with these words that I'm going to utter up. Because I respect and I love my God enough that I'm going to submit myself to Him through this prayer. The last point that I want to make before we have our invitation song in in just a second. Many of us know next weekend is, of, of course, the Super Bowl. Next Sunday afternoon, evening, whenever it finally gets started. And many are saying, like we hear so often in sports, that it's a David versus Goliath battle. That that you have the Patriots who seem to constantly be there, and and you've got the Eagles with a, a quarterback that's limited, experienced And you'll probably hear that a lot more. David versus Goliath matchup. And we hear that a lot in sports. And we understand the purpose of of what's being said. that, That there is one team that is much more dominant, it appears, than the other team. But here's something that I want you to think about. That when we use that phrase... David versus Goliath matchup. When David made the decision to go against Goliath, it was not because of his skills. It was not because of his size. It was not because of his knowledge. It was not because he had a game plan that he knew could defeat God, he, he knew would just be fail-proof. There was one thing that gave David the strength to go before Goliath. And that was the fact that he had faith in God. When you have a Goliath in your life, when you face a Goliath, In your life. Whether it be an illness. Whether it be a loss. A loss of a job. Whatever it may be. You're going to face a Goliath in your life. Do you have the faith that David had? To know that I can defeat this Goliath. Not because of anything that I can do. But because of what my God can do. I can defeat this Goliath. Because my God's more powerful.
That is what allowed David to defeat Goliath. His faith and knowledge in his God. His submission. His humility. His knowing that it was going to take God to win the battle. Tonight. As you sit there in your seats. As you maybe look at your watch and and realize that it's getting close to time. Another Sunday's over. He's about to be done talking. Won't that be grand? Let me ask you this. Do you believe, like David did, that there's a Goliath in your life? Because in all of our lives, there's a Goliath called sin. And we'll never defeat that Goliath on our own. We'll never be able to defeat that Goliath by ourselves. But because of the God that we serve. Just like he gave David victory over Goliath. He's given you a battle plan for victory over sin. We can defeat that Goliath through prayer, through baptism, through submission. Are you ready to win the battle against sin in your life? Whether it be for the first time through baptism, or whether it just be something that's come into your life and, and you're fighting sin once again. Are you ready to defeat that Goliath? God's powerful enough. Are you ready to let God help you defeat Goliath? If so, come now. Lay those burdens at the feet of the cross while we stand and sing to encourage you.